Please have a seat, everybody. It's working now. Sorry. All right. Just in time. How are you guys doing? You guys did an amazing job singing praises to God this morning, right? Oh, can you sit right here, just right here for a minute? That's okay. You, you made it just in time. I brought a couple things to show you guys today. You know, the, over the next few weeks, we're going to be getting ready for a pretty important holiday. Do you guys remember what holiday it is? Christmas! Do you guys love Christmas? I do too. I love the lights. I love everybody getting together and singing songs. What's the real reason for Christmas? It's the birth. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. That's right. Do you know that Jesus said a lot of stuff about who he is? Did you know that? And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about five plus two is how much? Seven. There's seven times Jesus said, I am something. And that's what we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about two things. Do you guys know what this thing is? This is a cinnamon roll. Or if you didn't know the word cinnamon roll, the phrase, you'd probably say maybe this is like sweet bread, right? Anybody like cinnamon rolls? Mmm. That's some good stuff. It's 11.45. Everybody out there is hungry. I won't be hungry because I got to eat that cinnamon roll. I love cinnamon rolls. I love sweet bread. What's going to happen after you guys get done with church today? You're going to go eat lunch, right? You're going to go eat lunch. And then what happens after you eat lunch? What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen tonight? You're going to have, you're, hopefully everybody will come back to church. Did you all hear that? Hopefully y'all will come back to church. And then you're going to have dinner, right? You're going to eat dinner? I'm going to need some assistance from my wife to take the sweet bread. Yeah. It seemed like a good idea when I was thinking about that. Okay, so you're going to have dinner. And what's going to happen the next day? What are you going to eat in the morning when you wake up? Breakfast, right? We're always trying, we always need to eat bread, we always need to eat something, because that's what keeps our body going. You know what Jesus said? I'm the bread of life. So Jesus provides for our spiritual needs. We're going to keep eating bread and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We'll keep eating, because that's what we need to do to stay alive. But Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus brings what we need spiritually to stay alive. Did you know that? The other thing, you know what else Jesus said? Check this thing out. Is that thing bright? I'm trying to shine anybody's eyes. That's really bright. When do you use one of these? When it's dark. Like if there's a hurricane, we need these lights, don't we? Because there's no electricity. You know what Jesus said? You know the second thing Jesus said? I am the light of the world. That's right. You got it. Everybody that follows me won't walk in darkness. And so Jesus provides a way for us to walk a pathway to follow, to walk with God. 
So Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and I am the light of the world. So we find our fulfillment in Jesus, and we follow him as our light. He lights the path to find God, okay? The words of the day, there's two. Bread and light. Bread and light. Thank you, guys. You can go sit down. Thank you. All right, church, I want to invite you to take out a copy of God's Word. We're going to be in the Gospel of John today. The Gospel of John. We'll be in the Gospel of John and a couple passages there. Oftentimes, we, we prepare in December to celebrate Christmas and in the busyness of Christmas, we forget the reason we celebrate Christmas, right? We celebrate Christmas so that we can get lots of presents, right? Is that why we do Christmas? We celebrate Christmas so we can have lots of family dinners. That's why we do Christmas, right? So we can have lots of uh, cantatas and sing music, right? No, we celebrate Christmas to celebrate Jesus' birth. You guys know that, and we're teaching kids good doctrine because our kids know that. The question that I have this Christmas that God laid on my heart is this. Who is Jesus? Because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of of statements in the world about who he is. Everybody thinks they know who Jesus is. Everyone has an opinion about who Jesus is. You could leave this place. You could walk outside Ask anybody on the street who is Jesus, and I almost guarantee you that that person would have an opinion about who he is. So I thought it was important over this Christmas season, over the next few weeks, for us to focus on that question. Who is Jesus? Now, if I want to know who Jesus is, I would think probably the best way to figure that out is to go into the Word of God, which is from God, And actually look at the statements that Jesus made about himself. Did you know that seven times in Scripture, Jesus says, I am something. And so that's what we're going to study for the next few weeks. The seven I am's of Jesus. Now, as our gift to you uh, from this church, from the publishers of Crossway, we receive these books for free. We're going to have these out in the foyer today. It's called Gentle and Lowly. It's a book about who Jesus is. Specifically, it's a book about the heart that Jesus has for sufferers and sinners. It's about a gracious Jesus who came and suffered and died for us, who loves us. And so every family is going to get a free copy of this, so we probably have enough for you to take two if you want. Those will be in the foyer. Make sure you grab those on your way out today and read this book along with me this month as we investigate and try to answer this question, who is Jesus? Well, 2,000 years ago, the man Jesus was born. He lived a perfect life. He died a death on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. While he walked on this earth, seven times he said, I am something. And we're going to talk about two of those today. The first I am of Jesus is found in the Gospel of John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said this, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one comes to the Father, or sorry, no one comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Jesus made this statement 
a day after one of the most amazing miracles that he performed on this earth, he had just fed over 5,000 people. If you remember, Jesus was teaching on the side of a hill and had been teaching the people all day and felt compassion for them because he knew that they were hungry. So he called his disciples to himself and said, how are we going to feed these people? And they said, we have no idea. We don't have enough money to feed all these people. They brought to him five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus miraculously multiplied that bread and those fish enough to supply food for over 5,000 people, and they even had extra bread and fish over after they ate. Now, after Jesus provided this miracle, the people were so worked up, they were so excited that they gathered and they were going to form a coup. They were going to name Jesus their king and they were going to take Rome out. Well, Jesus knew that it wasn't his time to be king and the kind of king that they wanted to make him wasn't the kind of king that he came to be anyway. And so Jesus left the crowd. He got in a boat. He sailed across the Sea of Galilee, and the people the next day were looking for him, and they couldn't find him, so they got in boats, and eventually they found Jesus, and when they found him, they asked Jesus for two things. The first thing in John 6, 26, they asked Jesus, uh, they were seeking after Jesus, Jesus actually declared this, because they wanted Jesus to feed them again, right? They were literally hungry. It was one day after they had eaten, and they came to Jesus and said, time to eat, right? We want some more food. That's what Jesus knew that they wanted. Well, Jesus looked at them, and he challenged them to look for spiritual food that provides eternal life. Then Jesus tells them, the Son of Man will give them the spiritual food because God appointed him to provide it. They can tell Jesus is insinuating in this statement that he is that Son of Man, that he is the one that provides the spiritual food that they need. And this led them to ask Jesus for something else. They wanted Jesus to display another miraculous sign. You see that in John 6, 30. If Jesus really is the Son of Man who provides eternal life, then the crowds want him to demonstrate his divinity by performing another miraculous sign. It's interesting. They even quote Exodus 16, 15 and say, Moses gave the Israelites bread from heaven. Jesus wasn't about to acquiesce to the crowd's demands, however. Instead, he turns their faithlessness into an opportunity. He challenges them to open their eyes and to see what is literally standing right in front of them, the Savior. The feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus' interaction with the crowds climaxes in Jesus' statement in John 6.35. Let me read it to you again. I am the bread of life. What did Jesus just tell them? Stop looking for this bread that fills your stomachs and start looking for a spiritual bread that will bring you everlasting life. Shortly after that, this is what he said. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Jesus is, according to verse 33, the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He is not primarily concerned with filling their stomachs with food. Jesus came to provide a way for them to receive eternal life. 
in heaven. He says in John 10.10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so they may have life and have it in abundance. So how does Jesus' identity as the bread of life impact the world? Look at verse 35 again. He says, No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Did any of you eat breakfast today? Anybody? We like breakfast, right? And you probably plan to eat lunch too, right? In fact, some of you are looking at your clock and you're a little worried about what time lunch will actually happen. The interesting thing about eating food and drinking a drink is we know that after some time passes that we're going to need to eat food again. And we're going to need a drink again. We need food and water or food and drink to sustain us, to keep us alive. And if any of you have children that are in a growth spurt, that happens more often than you're usually prepared, right? Anybody feed your kid and then literally like a half hour later, they're like, so what are we eating lunch? What's the snack situation that's happening this afternoon? You just ate 30 minutes ago. I'm hungry again. How could you be hungry again? I saw you eat all that food. Our satisfaction with food and drink is only temporary. It was only intended to be temporary. Every few hours, we need more food. We need more drink to be satisfied. Food and drink sustain us. They keep us alive. But in verse 35, Jesus tells us that he is the pathway. He is the provider of our spiritual fulfillment. You see, God created every person on this planet. Did you know that? God created us, and we have inside of us an innate need and desire for Him. And having a relationship with that God who is our Creator is the only one who can fulfill that need that resides deep inside of our hearts. The problem is, most people don't know that Jesus is the source of our ultimate joy and peace and purpose. And so most of the people in this world that have an innate need that, that they seek to be filled will go to the latest fad, to the latest book, to the latest self-help process and find themselves on a merry-go-round that never ends, looking for the next latest and greatest thing that promises to bring a peace that never comes. Because none of those things will ultimately satisfy every person's hunger and thirst for spiritual fulfillment. Only Jesus can do that. Now the good news is that Jesus came and provides that for us. The question I have as we apply that part of the text to our lives is this. Where do you go for your spiritual fulfillment? Who will ultimately meet your needs? We do this and we seek for fulfillment in a lot of places. And all of us have probably looked at one of these at one point or another in our lives. Oftentimes, maybe your first place to go in finding fulfillment is actually yourself. I just need to pick myself up by my bootstraps. I need to put my head down. I need to go to work. And I need to make myself happy. 
there's only one problem. You will, as most of you probably know, let yourself down, won't you? You're not enough to provide the spiritual need that you desire. Maybe you look to your family for that fulfillment. Maybe a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, friends, children. That's worship of man and of others. The problem is people will ultimately let you down. They can't provide the fulfillment that you need. During this time of the pandemic, many in our society and our culture have turned to our government and, and thought and sought out the government to meet our needs. That's the worship of some kind of system in place. The, the problem is that our government and other governments of this world, they rise and fall. They're run and overseen by sinful people. The government will ultimately let you down if that's where you look for your fulfillment. Now, they are appointed by God, but they are not God. Oftentimes, we look for our fulfillment in this world. This one is especially tricky. We look for the good things, to live that good life, to find the happiness that this world has to offer. We worship the world and the things that are offered in this world. The problem is that this world and everything and everyone in it are influenced by Satan and the sin of every man, woman, and child. Our world has fallen and it can't give us the things we need. What Jesus calls us to do is to turn to him for fulfillment. Because that Jesus who came and died for us on the cross and rose together on the third day is the same yesterday and today and will be the same forever. He is the only one capable of carrying the burden of your sin. He is the only one able and desiring, capable of reconciling your relationship with God who created you. He is the Prince of Peace and the only one who provides you with peace. He will satisfy your hunger and he will quench your thirst. God created the world through him, he sustains it by him, and he will judge the world one day with him. Are you hungry for purpose? Are you thirsty for refreshing, life-giving, spiritual water that brings joy and peace and quenches your thirst for more? If you are, then church, let me tell you today that you need Jesus, the bread of life, and all you have to do is turn to him and receive it. We serve a God who gives grace to the humble. A God who desires to pour out his blessings upon your life like a fountain, like a waterfall. A God who loves you and demonstrated that love by sending his son. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus second in John 8:12 says his second I am. He said that he is the light of the world. Look at verse 12 of John chapter 8. It says, Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let me tell you just for a couple minutes, let me fill you in on the context in which Jesus made this statement. Jesus is preaching to the crowds at the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. 
It's also called the Feast of Lights for the many ceremonies involved when they lit candles to demonstrate their worship of God. He delivered the message in a place in the temple called the Treasury, also known as the Court of the Women. It was lit all around by golden lamps. The lamps were intended to remind the worshipers of God leading Israel through the wilderness as our buyer through a pillar of fire. And so these candles reminded them of God being the light that walked them through that dark time of wandering in the wilderness, of a God who took them to the promised land, of a God who provides their salvation. So picture Jesus standing in this room, lit by candles, reminding people of what God had done in the past for the Israelites leading them through the wilderness as a pillar of fire. Listen to Jesus' statement again. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's no surprising, then, that the religious leaders had a real problem with what Jesus just said. In the treasury, during the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, or the, the Feast of the Lights, in the room with candles that are to remind them that God is the light that walks us through darkness, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. So essentially what Jesus is telling them is that he is God. That he has God's authority and his power. Let's just spend a minute or two now Looking at that text, I think we could divide what Jesus said into three parts. First, Jesus is the light of the world, and that statement is quite bold. The Israelites recognized Yahweh, that's God the Father, as the light of their salvation. Psalm 27.1 is a prayer they often prayed to God. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? In Psalm 80, verse 3, they would pray, O God, restore us and cause your face to shine upon us, and we will be saved. Many religious leaders at that time claimed to be special teachers about God, the light of the world. But Jesus was saying something different. Jesus was saying, I am the light of the world. Essentially, Jesus is saying to all those around him and to us, I am God. Now, second, this next thing that Jesus says in that text is the person who follows Jesus will not walk in darkness. Remember that in the context of the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Jews associated light from the temple lamps as God's light that he provided in the pillar of fire as he guided and protected them through the wilderness. The Jews followed God's light out of slavery through the dangerous wilderness and into his promised land. So for them to be separated from God would mean to live in darkness. To walk with God meant one would know the truth, that one would be on the righteous pathway, that one would not fall into the evil practices of the pagan nations. And so now Jesus tells them, I am the light of the world. The one who walks with me won't 
walk in darkness. He's saying, I'm the one you're supposed to follow. I'm the light that will guide you through the wilderness of your sin. Finally, he says, those who follow me will have the light of life. They will know God and have a relationship with him. They will follow a righteous path. They will receive salvation from their sins, and they will receive everlasting life. So in the second part, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know, I don't especially enjoy fishing out on a boat at night. Anybody, anybody ever been night fishing before? It's not my favorite thing. I will go out, but I don't like it. And I remember one time I was out with my father-in-law, and he's usually the focus of a lot of my fishing stories because I almost die often when I'm with him. And he'll tell you that too. I'm not saying anything he doesn't know. We were out and we decided to go on. The, the wind was blowing pretty hard. We were over in like the Clearwater area and we decided we're going to go out and catch some fish at night, you know, because they don't bite during the day. Night is way better. And so we go out and me and him and his buddy who was a big, big man. I mean, he was a wrestling coach, heavyweight, big guy, are going out in my father-in-law's, I think it might be a 16-foot boat. A uh, little like flat front boat. Not really. It's meant for the bay. You know, you don't go out in, in deep water. Anyway, we go out at night and we're loading up to go and a front is starting to blow in, right? So the wind's starting to pick up. And then it starts raining. And I'm like, cool. Like, we don't have to go. I don't like going out at night anyway. The Lord's just like saving me from having to do this. And he's like, no, no, we're going. I'm like, we? Okay, so we like you and him? Like, no, no, all three of us. Okay, so we're going, and it's my father-in-law, so I want to impress him, right, because he gave me his daughter. So I feel like it's my duty to keep him alive, right? So we go, and, and the wind's starting to blow. There's white caps out there in the bay. The rain's starting to really come down, and we go out. We did not catch one single fish, just so you know, and um, it was getting pretty, pretty nasty. I remember sitting in the boat, and all I was doing, I was sitting trying to stay as dry as I could, thinking, when this boat goes down, what island am I going to get to? That's literally, I was looking around. Okay, for now, I'm going to go to that one. And then 20 minutes later, okay, now we're closer to this one. That's where I'm going to go. And then before I realized what was going on, I, I recognized like, wow, I don't really know how to get home. And all I could see off in the distance were, were some lights, you know, from the, the houses on, on the mainland area. And so I remember just looking at those lights, just longing to be at that light and knowing that if something bad did happen, at least I could see the lights where the, where the land was. And thankfully, you know, we made it back, but we did use those lights because there was like a certain structure that he recognizes, and we go to that structure. And thank the Lord that the person didn't shut those lights off because we would have been in some real trouble. So when Jesus says to his disciples, I'm the light of the world, like me sitting in that boat out in the storm, I'm looking and I see the lights on the shore and that's how I'm going to get home. That's what Jesus is telling us. We are all lost and dead in our sin. We are all, apart from Christ, wandering and looking for purpose. And I don't know where you are this Christmas season, but maybe that describes you today. Looking for hope. Looking for joy looking for purpose. What Jesus is telling us, he says, I'm the light. 
I'm the one that you should look to. I'm the one that will fulfill your deepest needs and desires. And you're caught in this storm, right? And it's dark and windy. And you got a lot of stuff going on in your life. And there's all these other things in this world that are going to tell you, listen, just do this and you're going to be okay. Just follow this and you'll find what you're looking for. And Jesus says none of those things are going to give you what you ultimately, ultimately need. Jesus said, I'm the pillar of fire burning in your heart. I'm the one who will lead you to what you're looking for. That's why he says, I'm the light of the world. And maybe you just needed to hear that today. I don't know what's going on in everybody's lives, but maybe you're in a storm. Maybe you're in a place of difficulty. Follow the light of Christ. Notice he doesn't say that we won't go through storms, but that he's the light for us in the storm. Are you seeking him? Are you looking to the light that he provides? And of course, ultimately, Jesus provides the light that leads us to God, to a reconciled relationship with the Father, and to the salvation that he provides. So if you do not yet have a relationship with Jesus, how would you like a peace that never goes away? How would you like a joy that is so deeply rooted in your heart that even on your worst day, you still feel an unsurpassing joy? How would you like to have that? Because that's what Jesus provides for us through the salvation and as the light of the world. Now we're going to have a time of invitation. And I want to challenge you guys to do three things. Our team's going to make their way up to the platform. First of all, as I had just mentioned, for those of you that do not yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior, He's the one that provides the fulfillment you're looking for. He's the one that will direct your pathway to a reconciled relationship with God. Turn from your sin and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you'd like to do that in a minute, we're all going to stand up. I'd love to sit with you right here and pray with you and show you what Jesus did for you in providing that. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Maybe you're looking to the world to provide a satisfaction deeply rooted in your heart. I don't know what you're looking for or where you're looking for it, but I can tell you that none of that stuff is going to meet that innate, deeply rooted desire that you have because only Jesus can do that. So maybe during this time of invitation, maybe you just want to recommit your life to him. Maybe you'll recommit your heart to him. Seek him for fulfillment. And Jesus finally said, I'm the light of the world. He's the one that illuminates and lights up the pathway to God, to ultimate joy and peace and purpose. Maybe it's time for you to reconnect with him. Maybe it's time for you uh, to pray to him and just say, you know, Lord, I'm just in a storm right now. My life is not great. I really need something. I want to follow you as my light and my Lord. I want to invite everybody to stand now. So we're going to sing a song together, and I want to just give you an opportunity to respond to whatever God's doing in your heart. Maybe you're someone who needs to make that first commitment to Jesus as Lord and Savior. You come forward in a minute when we sing. Come forward, and let's pray with you. Maybe you want to join this church, or, or, or just come up to the, the altar here and just pray 
whatever God's doing in your heart right now, don't ignore the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. Surrender yourself to him and receive the faith and the joy that comes from obedience. Heavenly Father, I pray over this time now as we finish up our worship together as a church. I pray that your word has, has been deeply rooted in our hearts. I pray that you'll give the one out there in this congregation the faith that he or she needs to take that step out into the aisle and forward for prayer, for commitment, dedication, whatever it is, God. We love you. We, we lay this down, this time of worship down to you at your altar and just say, do with it what you will. Call me as you will and give me the faith to respond. In Jesus' name I pray.